Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My Kick-Ass Boomer today is Judy Lawfer. Judy is an award-winning children's author and educator. She started as a kindergarten teacher, and when her father died, she wrote a book that helps children overcome grief. That was the start, and she went on to write three other children's books and one young adult book. Welcome, Judy. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm so happy to have you. So you now live in Arizona and you saw a void in the children's book area when you were dealing with the grief of uh, all the emotional issues of your father passing away. So briefly tell us how you went from being a teacher to becoming an author. Yes. So when I was teaching, I taught kindergarten for several years in Canada, in Montreal, Canada, actually. And one of the things that often happened in my classroom is children would come to school and a family member had passed away. Usually it was a grandparent and parents would say to me, you know, how can I help them? And when it happened to us and my dad passed away and my niece was five at the time struggling with her grandfather passing away, I thought, but you know what, let me go to the library and see what's available for children's books on grief. And to my surprise, most of the books were about a pet dying or seasons changing, nothing really about a person. Now, this was 30 years ago. So since that time, there have been some books about parents or people dying, which I think is really good because it's more concrete for that age. They need to really associate with what they're associating with. And losing a grandparent, in my situation, a grandfather, is different than losing your pet. So, yeah, so I, I decided, you know what, there's an area that's really interesting. My background's early childhood education. I should really be able to do this. And so decided that it was a great topic to explore. That's great. And so grandparents can read these books with their grandchildren and then have a discussion with them on how they feel about the subject, maybe even before there's a death in the family. Good to broach it early. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's one of the things that I often tell people because there's some reluctancy because parents aren't comfortable with the subject. The children really want to talk about it, but the parents are really not comfortable or grandparents. And certainly when you're going through that kind of situation, you're even less comfortable with speaking about it. So I often advise families, since it's going to happen to everyone, it is a fact of life that we are going to experience grief in some way. So it's a great idea to talk about somebody else. It's great to have a story where it's about someone else who's experiencing grief. And then you can really just talk about the feelings and then have the book available. So when it happens in your family, you're able to pull it out and go through it once again. That's a great idea. That's a great idea because then, you know, they've thought about it ahead of time and now they're feeling the feelings and you need to bring that book back out and talk about it some more. So that really is a great idea. So so this is the book, by the way, just to share with you. There's the cover cover. of it. 
Yeah, and that's book, great looking. The book won an award in New York. So it won uh, the Golden Poet Award, which is really what kind of sent me off to go ahead and publish. Because originally it was written just for my family. I thought, you know, well, it's just something that we can have for ourselves, some memories about dad or grandpa. And then I found that other families were looking for something very much the same. So when the story won an award, I thought, okay, other people like it too. So I guess it's time to look at seeing if we can publish. So that kind of, that did start the process for sure. And did you go through a regular publisher or did you try and self-publish? So I did the, uh, originally I did try to go through a big publishing house and I contacted, you know, several of the large publishing companies and I did get a few people who were interested but what they did is they then sent me what it would look like, what they saw it looking like. Oh. And uh, it really wasn't what I was hoping for. And so I quickly realized that the only way for me to, to have control over the images and the quality of the book was to do it myself. So then I explored the whole self-publishing realm, which was very much in its infancy at the time you know, 30 plus years ago, but has become just a wonderful way for me to be able to put out my books in a way that I'd like to see them out there in the quality, in the color, in the artistry. So it gave me control of all of those aspects, which I really liked. That's good. So you've done all of your books self-published then, even the young... Yes. And it, it's published under Little Egg Publishing. Now, Little Egg, my maiden name is Egette. So when I was growing up, Often kids would tease me when I come to school and they go, oh, there co here comes Little Egg. And I thought, well, that's such a great idea for a children's book company name. It really is. So, it's so adorable. Yes. Yeah, thank I you. Like thank you. Yes. So tell us what some of the other books were about in case there's grandparents listening that want to look at. Sure. So as you mentioned, actually, I make a point of having all the books deal with some social emotional issue. So the first one was about grief and also that the books are all platforms for discussion. So the second one that I looked at was another topic that was very common in my classroom, which was nightmares. Nightmares happen around that age. And so I did a little bit of research and the research suggests that children have nightmares. Sometimes they have nightmares because they hear or see something scary before they go to bed. So I thought if that's true, the opposite should be true. So if we give them a happy, funny story before they go to bed, hopefully that's what they'll dream about. And so the next book was born and it's called Last Night I Had a Laughmare because we want children to have laughmares instead of nightmares. Oh, yes. That's a great idea. Great idea. So they go to this magical, wonderful place called Giggleville, which is what where the next book's come out of. Mm -hmm. And this book too, as well, I sent it off because again, I really like the idea having other people take a look at it, people in the field, other educators, other book people who can tell me, you know, is this something that you think is good or not? Because, you know, your family and friends are always going to tell you, you did a great job. Right. So right. this book won the Independent Publishers Notable Book Award. Wow. So we're very proud of that. That's great. Especially being self-published. That's really excellent. Yes. I think it's really important to get some recognition mm -hmm. from other sources so that people know that, yes. you know, yes. your book has been recognized and it is something that you should pick up and it's worthwhile 
reading. And yeah, so absolutely, I think it's it's important to do. And I've done that with several of my books and mm-hmm. several of the books have won awards. So that's very, very exciting as, a, as an author. The second book I wrote was about interfaith families, really. My family is Jewish, but mm-hmm. many of my friends have interfaith families. And one of the things I wanted to talk about in the social emotional area was inclusiveness. So this book is about inviting whoever you would like to your Shabbat table, which is once a week. Jewish people celebrate Shabbat. And you can invite anybody. They don't have to be Jewish. Come have dinner with us. Enjoy our time together. And it really is about inclusiveness. So that's the social emotional issue. And again, a great platform for discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the next one was about birthdays, because who doesn't like birthdays and especially young children? Mm-hmm. So the next one was, what's your birthday wish? But again, wanted to look at the social emotional aspect. Uh, what could we learn from this and what could we teach in this, in this particular book? And this book is about looking at other, helping others. So it's using the power of your once a year special birthday wish to change the world. So that's kind of the twist on this one. And again, great platform for discussion. Young children are very egocentric mm-hmm. and it's a great time to talk about what are well, what's going on in other people's lives. How lucky are we that ha- we have so much, but other people do not. And how can we help them? Right. So that's really this book and also out of the land of Giggleyville. And uh, often I say the books are very much Walt Disney meets Dr. Seuss. So it's ah. colorful, bright Disney and funny, crazy, zany characters like Dr. Seuss. The best of both worlds, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And then the writing is written in rhyme because we know as educators that rhyming is one of the easiest ways for children to learn to read. So the rhyming words in the story are even a little larger. So visually they can see. So some of my teaching background kind of falls into the books just naturally. Right, which is excellent. That's great. Yeah. And then the last book that just came out this past summer is really exciting. It's called The Very Unhappy Visitor, and it is about finding your own happiness. So it's about owning your own happiness. It's not blaming others when you're unhappy, which I think is a great topic to talk to children about early. Absolutely. Yep. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's something yep. that we can develop as adults mm-hmm. that learning to find those things that make us happy or make us unhappy and choose, you know, choose to do the things that make you happy, choose to see the world in a positive way. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the very unhappy visitor. <laughs> so, yeah. So I have five books actually. There are five books now, children, young children's books. And again, all platforms for discussion all social emotional issues. Yeah, that's it's been kind of an exciting adventure for me. Yeah, it certainly has. Now, are you still teaching or are you mostly just writing and publishing at this point? I'm mostly writing and publishing, but I do go out this, to the schools as a visiting author. So I've gone out and I've spoken to the children and I've talked about writing. I've talked about how to start a publishing company. I've talked about all the things uh, needed to write a good story. So yes, I've used, you know, I've been in the classroom because I'm very comfortable in the classroom and I love the children. So my favorite thing is going to visit the kids, but I'm not currently teaching in a classroom. 
But that's a great idea because I think you can do even more good by going into a lot of different classrooms with your ideas and telling them that they can be a writer when they get older. Absolutely. They might not know that. So you're doing probably a lot more good this way. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I'm hoping that I am. And I love when I get, you know, feedback from teachers or parents and telling me that the kids have enjoyed the stories and what they've talked about and the questions they've asked. So yes, it's, it's been quite rewarding, I would say, as, as my second career. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And this is something yes. you can do for years and years and years, which is the good news. You never have to retire. Exactly, exactly. And that really, I think, was the point for me is that I was looking for something that I could really do, whether I was traveling, whether I was home, no matter how old I was. Yes, exactly right. That this is something you never have to retire from. Nope. And I think this is really good news for other boomers who are maybe thinking of, I want to do something. I don't want to keep working, but what can it be? And so I think you just have to look to what you're doing presently. And is there a piece of it you can take and do on your own? You know, it doesn't have to be writing. It could be something else. Yeah, I think it really is looking at your particular skill set. And we all have them. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what skills are transferable to what careers? And it's, it's amazing to find there are many, many skills that will transfer to a variety of careers right now. Absolutely. And there's so many that you can just do from home on the internet so that you can pick and choose your own hours. And that's the nice thing about being older. We don't have to work 40 and 60 and 80 hours anymore. We can just work maybe 20 or 30 and we can travel and do other things, visit our grandchildren. We can just do so many other things. Exactly, exactly. No, I think that was uh, that was really exciting for me when I discovered that. And as I say, I, I think the thing that I always share with people is often someone will come up to me and say, you know, I've often thought of writing a book. I've often thought of writing a children's book. I thought that would be fun. And I would say to them, yes, it really, you know, I have enjoyed it certainly, but you do need to realize it is work. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yep. Like doing a podcast, right? Yep. Yep. There's a lot of work behind it. Right. Right. And that's sometimes what you don't see. And I think the frustration becomes deciding you're going to do something and not recognizing the amount of time and effort you're still going to need to put in. Yes, absolutely. And even like with podcasting, I love podcasting. I do enjoy the research as well, because you have to research your guests, find out what they're all about. So you can ask the right questions. And I enjoy that. But I think some people just think, oh, you just get on the air and you talk. No. And then when you're done, you have to edit it. And then you've got to write your show notes. And there's it's so much more involvement that you think. I still love it, but you really have to think about it. They've done research and they found out that a lot of podcasters will do seven podcasts and then they're done because they had no idea the amount of work it is. No idea. Yeah. So I think that is an important thing is to really recognize that Sometimes it looks like it's not a lot of work when you look at something, yes. but the reality, there was a lot of work behind the scenes to make it look like it doesn't look that hard. Yes. And make the book look, oh, that book is so pretty and I love the colors and it's just a great book and my grandchild, a lot went into it, a lot. And not all you, because you had an illustrator, correct? Exactly. Yes. I work with an illustrator. I'm not the illustrator. I'm the author. And yes, and in the whole production end, it is the books take about a year 
to produce. So, you know, you start writing it, you do all the editing, takes a while to get your story to where you want it to be. And especially the ones for young children, because you're limited to the amount of words. So every word counts. And then working with the illustrator takes a lot of time to be able to get to, to have that working relationship with the illustrator and then to be able to find the images that work with your words and to be in agreement with the illustrator and try to have that cooperative relationship that where they bring their skills, you bring your skills. And so, yes, in terms of actually having the book produced, it's about a year with the, uh, the writing, the illustrating, the editing, the formatting, <laughs> yes, and then the registering, and then the printing process, you know, where you've got to find a printer and go through that. And so really, I, I would say pretty much it's, you know, it's really been literally about a year to produce one of these young children's books, which are 32 pages. And yeah, it doesn't look like it should be that hard, but... <laughs> As you know, as we've talked about, there's a lot of work behind the scenes. <laughs> yes. And I think when you're doing something shorter, it's more work because you really have to condense, 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 make sure you're saying it the right way. If you just have a lot of space to talk, you can you can get away with a lot more. But a little small book, you really have to be able to condense everything down. Yes. Yes. My young adult books that, you know, I have two young adult books as well. And those are longer. They're over 100, just over 100 pages, 110 pages. Uh, but there, you're right. You know, you have more room to add extra words in that kind of a book. But like it's, for instance, here, I'll share that with you. That's the young adult book. Okay, that's Choices. Mm -hmm. Choices. And again, you can see that it won an award. It won the Silver Medal Award for Young Adult Readers. And this is the story of my family that escaped Hungary in 1956. So it's their true story. And it is an adventure story. It's an escape story. I, I often go into schools, uh, middle schools, quite honestly, because this is about a middle school, early high school level. Uh, although adults read it and grandparents read it, and it's, it's an easy read, but it's a complete story. And it's very compelling that, you know, people are faced with all sorts of adversities and find ways to deal with it and find ways to make a life for themselves. Uh, for young adults, you know, with the amount of suicide right now and young adults who are choosing to take their lives, it's, it's a high. great moment. Oh, yeah. It's high. Yep. It's a great moment to have that discussion with a story like this to say to them, you know what? Yes, you're, you're, problems are important and I know they're troubling to you. You know, you broke up with your girlfriend or boyfriend and, you know, it feels like life is over. But the reality is people faced really big, important things and they chose life. Yes. You know? Yes. I think that is important. And I also think it's important for us to hear history, hear family histories and what people, because we really have, I mean, even with all the hardships, our lives are wonderful. We, oh, I didn't have to live yeah. through what my grandparents had to live through or my aunt. I mean, I've had problems along the way, but nothing compared to what they went through during World War II. So I think it's important to, to teach that to children so they understand. Little kids went through those horrors. It was really Absolutely. Tough. Yeah, and no, absolutely. Don't, don't have to do that. And the kids are, you know, when I've gone into the schools, Terry, the, the children are, the students are so interested in talking about it. They have lots of 
questions. They're fascinated by history and that time in history particularly. Uh, I don't know if you had if you had a chance to look at this book, but this is this is actually the newest one. And this yes. is called Hidden Pearl. Yeah. Okay. Right. And this one won the gold medal award for young adult readers. Wow. So really very, very exciting for me as sort of a new author in this area to have that kind of recognition was was very exciting. And this is the, a story about my mother-in-law who was hidden during World War II. Her name is Pearl, and she's the hidden Pearl. Oh, and, that's uh, so cool. <laughs> yeah, and she was a 10-year-old, and she had to take on a new identity, and she lived with a family that didn't know she was Jewish, and she had to hide that because if they had known, they would have turned her in. Absolutely. Yeah. Imagine absolutely. living with that kind of issue. when And when, again, when I talk to students or when I speak with students, for them to understand this child, 10 years old, and look what she had to go through. And again, she did not choose to kill herself. She didn't choose to end her life. She, she decided there's a way for her to move forward. And I think that's a wonderful message for young adults right now. As I say, with the rising suicide rates and children being so discouraged and uh, you know feeling like they have no choice to really understand to give them some choices or have them really tell you a little bit about why they feel that way. Right. Excellent. You know, my grandmother during World War II wound up hiding a good friend of hers, Frau Rosenberg. Now, Frau Rosenberg was Christian, but she was married to a Jew and they had a daughter and the daughter was Jewish because that's the way if one of the parents Jewish, you're Jewish. So she hid them both during the war. And the um, Nazis knew that she was hiding them, but they could never find them. They would come and they'd search the house and, you know, they were just going crazy, but they never wound up finding them. I don't know how. I think there were angels around them they, because they should have been able to find them. They were not that well hidden, but someone was protecting them. So they were protected. But when the war ended, my grandparents found out that their whole family was on the list to go to a concentration camp the next time they sent people off because they knew they were hiding this woman and her daughter. They knew it. They just weren't able to prove, but they were going to just take them all away. So Yes. Anyway, so I mean, they all live, thank God. And um, I got to meet Frau Rosenberg. I never met her daughter because her daughter wound up moving to Canada, but Frau Rosenberg stayed in Germany. So um, after I graduated from high school, I went to Germany for a year and I got to meet her and I got to meet all the other people my grandmother lived with during the war. So it was really fascinating to meet real life people and to know the story. And I'm sure you feel the same way because it's your relatives. It makes the story so much more interesting. Yes. Well, actually, I am in the story. So in choices, I'm the two year old. <laughs> I was born in Budapest. So oh, I'm, the, I'm the two-year-old. So I was actually here, but of course have no memory of it. And, and we also found a family that helped us, non-Jewish family, that was instrumental in the fact that uh, my family survived and wonderful, wonderful family. And I too have met that family back in Austria. Did you? So wow. I, I do understand what you're saying. It was, it's pretty amazing. And you know, knowing that there's good people like that out there is very heartwarming as well and kind of sheds light on humanity during a difficult time. Yes, there are a lot of good people out there, and I don't think we hear about them enough. 
So right. it's really good that you're bringing these stories out. You're going into the schools. You're getting kids to talk about it. There really are a lot of good people. So yes, yes, and and I think that's a really you know often we hear about all the bad people, but you know what? It's really nice to know that there are good people too. And it, it really uh, is. Yeah. And I think we do need to spend a little bit more time speaking about them and sharing Absolutely. those stories. Absolutely. And it's funny because my grandmother wrote a little book about the war because her son, they actually sent him away for a little while during the war because they sent him out to the country because the cities were being bombed. They thought it was the best thing for the kids, but he was very, very homesick. And he wrote all these letters home to my grandmother. So she put them all in the book and she wrote her little story. And it's funny because she's been dead quite a while now, probably 30 years but I just feel like she keeps tapping on my shoulder, reminding me to talk about her. And because she always wanted her story out there, she was really hoping it would be published and be out there for everyone. So she keeps tapping on my shoulder. So I do talk about her as much as I can because she wants that story to be told. She lived it. And, and her, her son wound up dying right after the war ended because he went out with some of his friends they were going to fish. And when they caught the fish, they were going to get a present for my um, my aunt for Christmas. So they went out Christmas Eve while they found a hand grenade or something. There were three of them. It blew up. They all died. They didn't find them for like three days. So the whole village is out looking for these three little kids and then they find them. And of course, it's just horrifying. So the war for her was just horrible because that's how it ended. She lost her only son. She still had three daughters, but it was rough. So I would like to rewrite the book, but the thing is, she doesn't give me a good timeline to work with. So I'm having a real hard time figuring things out. But, you know, maybe at some point, because I think she wants, well, she did tell us she wants someone else to rewrite it and get it out there. She wants the story told. So I will have to try and figure out how to do that. Yeah, you do need that first person testimony just to share with you. One of the things that was very important for me is that I was able to interview. My mom is still around. She's turning actually 94 next month. And my mother-in-law just turned 92. So I both of them are still here. And so it was a very important feature I would share with you of writing the books that they have those details that you need for an interesting story. If you just write it from historical pieces, it's really not the same. Well, I have the story from her perspective, but she doesn't give me dates and timelines. So when my uncle was sent off to stay with another family, we kind of have a timeline because he would write his letters and they were all dated. But then when she tells more of the story later, there's no sequence as to what happens when and it's kind of, but maybe I can put something together. I'm going to try, but I, I really wish I would have asked her more questions. I'm so sorry I didn't do it when I could have. And I think that's what, I mean, when you're in your 40s and 50s, you're still very tied up with everything you have to do. You're raising kids, you're sending them to college, you're working. You're, and I just didn't think about it until it was too late and she wasn't there. And I'm really sorry about that. That's such so. a great point because so many people, since they've read, both of the young adult books have said the exact same thing that you just said. It's, I wish I would have done it when my parents were, I wish I would have found the story. I wish I would have recorded the stories. I wish I would have made some, no something. And we don't think of it until we get old. It's true. 
you know, you're busy with your lives and your children and yeah. And sometimes those parents aren't around when you have the time to do the work. That's right. Now, my aunt was around for a while and we did ask her some questions. She's 94 now, but now she has Alzheimer's. So we can't ask her any more questions because she was over in Germany during the war. Um, So she has a lot of those answers, but it's too late to even ask her. And she was very hesitant. We would go and try and get her to talk about the war. And she really didn't want to talk about it. Yes, she was very yes. That, that is often the case yeah, for yeah. a lot of people that they're very sensitive about. Yeah. And really, even in recording my mom and my mother-in-law, I really had to take a lot of breaks and kind of let them get over the emotional, each emotional aspect. And, and kind of sometimes did the other thing I do want to tell you when you're talking about doing the story that some of these people also, what happens is once they start remembering different things come to mind, like they don't remember when they start, but as we went through the process, it kind of jogs their memory and it's surprising what they remember 50 and 70 years ago compared to what they don't remember yesterday. (laughs) Absolutely. And I know that would have happened if we could have gotten her talking. But in the book, she does talk about how she met Frau Rosenberg and why why she felt it was so important to hide her. And when she first decided to do that, because they they knew they were coming for her and her daughter, she asked her son, who was like 12 years old, should I do this? And you were talking about young people. And he said, absolutely, we have to hide them. Absolutely. He knew it was dangerous. He knew he could lose his life if they found them. But he said, we absolutely have to hide them. No question. So there you go. That's amazing. And the other thing I would suggest is one of the things people have said that they love about the young adult books Mm -hmm. is that we have photos in the back. So I have the actual photos of the characters in the back, the real people that that were in the story. And that is a good idea. And I have pictures and like the, in my, the book, my grandmother wrote, she put a picture of her son's little card when he died, you know, his school picture and the whatever else information they had on there. And then I have pictures of her. I've got pictures of everyone. So I could put them yeah, on. And those are really, people love those old oh, pictures. Yeah, they absolutely. love to be able to think of the, you know, read the story and then really see what that person, like you describe it in the story but you described the person, but then to actually see the photo is uh, very moving for a lot of people. So, and maybe I just need to rewrite it from my perspective, going back years later, looking at the house, because I never went in, but I drove past the house they lived in during the war and just, I met Frau Rosenberg. So maybe I just do a perspective of what it was like to meet these people later on and to learn the story. Then I don't really need the timeline. All I need is the story. And I have the story. I just don't have a real good timeline of when things happen, but I won't need them if I do it. Yeah, but you could do sort of... It doesn't have to be exact, right, you know, right. it could be around that time, you know, around when it happened, whether it was right. what month or what day, maybe it doesn't even matter. But yeah, I think from your, that would be great. I, again, when I was writing my books, adult books, so I'm writing it really as a third person in a sense, I'm writing it from my mother's voice, but really as a third person. So, you know, I didn't have any memories. I was the two-year-old and I am using her recollections of it as she remembers. But again, you know, memories are very interesting as well, because what you remember isn't exactly what happened. True, true. You know, true. it's what you remember. <laughs> exactly, happened. exactly. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, no, that would be a great project for you. It would. And I applaud you for writing those stories because I think it's so important to get that information out there because our young people today aren't even hearing any of that, learning anything about World War II. They're not hearing the stories and we need to get that information out. So, And they want it. You know, I think the thing that, again, is they're so happy to be able to read the stories. You know, it's even reluctant readers, which is really was my focus when I was writing it, knowing that I was writing for this audience, that I wanted the books to be easily readable for even the reluctant reader. So the books are very fast paced and they're meant to be read by even people who don't necessarily love to read. It's a great way for them to get the story, to do the reading, to try a book. And I've had great feedback from young adults who really didn't normally read this type of book, but picked it up and got through it very quickly and loved the story. And there was enough action to keep them interested. So yes, it it is also that piece of it is you really have to think about both types of writing that I do. I really do think about the audience that I'm writing for. So You know, I do have a target audience. Other people read it as well. But, you know, I myself think, okay, who am I really wanting this to go to? I think you you should have a target audience. It's just like with podcasts, we're told you need a a target audience and niche it down as much as you can. Um, So I think that's important. So you're you were very wise, even without knowing it. That was an important step. And I think some authors forget that. Yes, yes. And I think then you're writing for no one, really. If you, if you don't have anybody in mind, you're writing for no one. That's what we're taught with podcasts, too. You know, yeah, if you don't yeah, I bet it's similar. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah, no, I bet, I bet it's similar. And, and then it doesn't mean that other people won't listen to your podcast or other people won't read my books that aren't that particular age demographics. But it's nice to have have that niche. And with the the young children's books, you know, I very quickly realized I was writing for two audiences. So I was writing for the children, but I was also writing for the parents or grandparents so that they could be engaged. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to make sure it was not too baby-ish, so to speak, and that it had enough content for the adult to enjoy it as well as the child. Very much looking at, at the models of Dr. Seuss and Walt Disney, who appealed to all ages. They targeted the kids, but in a sense, they appealed to everyone. They absolutely did. My sister, who is 62, Dr. Seuss is her favorite, favorite, favorite author. She even will read the story sometimes at home because they make her laugh. They're so much fun. But she would read them to all the nieces and nephews when they were growing up. She would just read them over and over and over again. She loves Dr. Seuss then she would love these books (laughs) for sure because they're definitely along that same line. Yes. So tell us again, how can my audience find your books? What's your website? Where do they go? Sure. So uh, my website is www.littleeggpublishing. So that's L-I-T-T-L-E-E-G-G publishing.com. And they also are on Amazon. And I write under... J.E. Lawfer. So if you look under books by J.E. Lawfer, they will pop up. Or if you look under whatever title you're looking for on Facebook as Little Egg Reads, that's with an S. So Little Egg, R-E-A-D-S. And I also am J.E. Lawfer on Instagram. 
So if anybody does Instagram, Facebook, yeah. So there's a number of ways, you know, to find me and I'm always happy to hear from people and I love getting reviews. So it's wonderful. That's great. Well, and for those of you who might be listening to this podcast while you're exercising or walking or doing laundry, I will have all of that information in the show notes for you. All you have to do is go to www.kickassboomers.com. And when you look at the pictures, you're going to look for Judy's picture, click on it. All the notes will come up and you'll be able to find all of her contact information in case you forget. But I bet if you put J.E. Lawfer in, it'll all come up really fast anyway, but it'll be in the show notes as well. So thank you very much, Judy, for being my guest today. This was very interesting. And I think it's going to give a lot of information for my audience, things that they can use with their grandchildren. I think it's perfect. Oh, great. I'm so happy. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. And maybe we'll do this when you have another book come out. I do have another one going, just so you know. (laughs) I bet you do. Well, that's perfect. I do. The next one actually will be very interested in. It's called, I respectfully disagree. (laughs) And it's about owning your own opinion. Oh, I love it. We need that. We absolutely need that. So it'll be the new one out of Giggly and it'll be coming this summer. Really? Well, we'll see. Maybe we'll be able to do another podcast to introduce the book. But thank you for being my guest today. And again, I encourage all of you baby boomers to look Judy up, buy the books and share it with your family and friends. Thank you, Terry. Appreciate it. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old.